I'm Asan and welcome to 9320, your podcast for all things MCFC related. You join us after a satisfying win in the Manchester Sunshine over Hull. Joining me to talk about all the game's talking points are Howard and Steve. Welcome both of you. Welcome Steve. Hello, how are you? Very well, welcome Howard. Yeah, good to be here, hello. Excellent. You were just telling me that you don't remember much about the game, Howard. Did you did you, <laughs> did you drink too much on Saturday? <laughs> well, possibly, yeah. I, <laughs> I sat in the Angel Beer Garden for three hours and my head some, is still... Some questions dirty. don't need to be asked. <laughs> Splendid. <laughs> I'm so sunburnt, I'm like my forehead is still heating the flat two days later. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the fact that like 15 minutes before kickoff, there's loads of people on Twitter in the ground complaining about how hot it is in the stands. Like, <laughs> I know, it was six... It's 65 to 70 degrees and we all go to pot. Mancunians and the ground, it, it does look so much nicer though, doesn't it, in the sun, the oh, ground. it's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Because it's bluer, it's bluer, isn't it, because people take the coats off and stuff and it just does look nicer. So it's like the first game of the season in a way. It yeah. made the second goal look like 1970 World Cup final, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Nice, very nice. Um, hey, listen, I've got an opening question for both of you before we actually talk about the match. Um, I read that City have agreed to kick towards the south stand in the second half if they win the toss from now on. One, is that a good idea? And two, if it is a good idea, why is it taking them this long to to, to realise that that's a thing to do, Howard? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, the obvious thing, is it a good idea? I presume there's always a toss. And whoever wins it chooses which way the kick. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So every single week we go the same way. Well, we can't be winning every toss. So <laughs> you can only assume when the opposition wins it, they're agreeing with <laughs> what we do, which kind of tells you all you need to know that they think it's... Because obviously there's the way end is at the south stand end as well, but so is just the... Uh, the slightly noisier end so it makes sense to both sides to to kick that way it's marginal gains isn't it i mean it's not going to gain as an extra 10 points a season but it does make sense to me to kick towards the noisier end i mean don't yeah, give me an idea not going to suck the ball into the net but when it's needed it could make that little difference couldn't it yeah and also not to have you know the opposition kicking towards their own supporters in the second half Exactly, yeah. Which, I mean, as you say, when they win the toss, they want to go that way second half. So it's, it's, it, it's been obvious. You to know. Exactly. Night, especially because of that family stand problems, especially midweek games where you really see the gaps because some families just might not be able to go. You know, tickets that are sold, the night matches might not be filled because they've got young children and they can't get back in time. So especially during the week, you want it just makes more sense. Yeah, it's, I don't know why it's taken this long or why it had to be spelt out to the club where it's pretty obvious to be honest so I, don't, I can only think it's some sort of tradition or superstition that we keep doing going the same way as we always have but you know Pete, I've heard people mention well such, so many big goals have been scored at the other end but then if you always kick that way then they will be scored there there's no other end they can be scored yeah, at. if course. you're always if you're always going that way in the second half then it, there's no you know big goals aren't generally scored in the first half of a game so doesn't really make any difference on that score. So. Mm. Steve, what do you think? I remember a time when it's quite 
common practice for teams to you know change sides kind of you know after the uh, flick of the coin. But now I believe I read yeah. it somewhere once anyway that it's now an unspoken, unspoken rule uh, or an agreement anyway within football that home sides tend to go to one side of the pitch before the game and whoever wins the kind of coin flick, but you just stay as you are. So that's why it's kind of you know doesn't matter who wins the coin flick then you know we always seem to kind of attack Southampton first um as regards to the the change of thinking I'm fully behind it it makes complete sense to me and I'm absolutely baffled why this hasn't always been the case as as Howard said and as, as you said as well about kind of you know not allowing the away team attack their supporters in the second half it, it's just all round makes sense it's you know and and Howard you know, hitting an L on the head, basically. It's just marginal gains. If we can get a marginal gain, take it. You know what baffles me the most is that no manager has turned around and said, we have to do this. You see what I'm saying? That from, if I think about all the people who might be in a position to sort of say, hang on, why are we doing it like this and not like that? Surely it'd be the coaches, the three coaches that we've had or four coaches that we've had that, that um, since the takeover that, that would would kind of realise something like that was important. It's weird that it's taken supporters yep. to to kind of basically point it out for for the club to go, hey, we're going to do this now. And like I say, it's an unspoken kind of agreement within football, so there's nothing written down there. So what also baffles me is why kind of opposing managers don't kind of you know say to the captain, right, if you win the coin flick, get him get him turned round. Because, you know, it, again, it's marginal gains. It's what the home side is not used to. That They're kind of attacking, you know, one area in the first half or second half, what they're not used to, whereas it makes no difference to the away uh, team. So I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often either. Um, you know, it's a rare kind of occurrence of mm. collective sportsmanship from everyone there. Um, I like the way you phrased that as well, a rare thank you. collective yeah. sportsmanship. <laughs> but as regards to attacking the South Sands in the second half, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, right. Manchester City three, Hull City one. Um, as always, let's start with the uh, with the team selection, and there can be no bigger headline than the return of Claudio Bravo. Um, before we we'll talk about his performance and the goal later, but just in terms of his reintroduction into the first team, how surprised were you, Steve? Um, very surprised. Uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if he never played again this season. Um, the return of Claudio Bravo just sounds like a really crap B pitcher, doesn't it? And <laughs> that's that's who he is. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, and I wasn't overly, you know, delighted to see his return. To be honest, um, but as regards to kind of the other team selection, when I saw it, that's the one that jumped out at you. Um, to the extent where I actually thought, you know, at first. Is Willie injured? Um, when I found it wasn't, then yeah, it was a big surprise. Okay, um, Howard. Yeah, well, I just don't understand it whatsoever, to be honest. Uh, really? Obviously, no. Well, all I can think is he flipping the keepers. So, oh. is he flip? Is Caballero our cup keeper again because we've reached Wembley? Whereas he thinks the top four, which isn't nailed on, is the league's gone. So he's maybe thinking, well. We give Bravo his last chance now by playing him in the league to see if he can gain some form. Otherwise, I'd see no reason why you just don't play your first goalkeeper. I mean, we're just. 
uh, yeah, I mean, goalkeepers don't need resting. Uh, there's no game during the week, so what's the reasoning? Uh, well, I expect Gabriel. I can only think that he, he's getting a bit. It's just saying like, well, it's Hull at home in a way, and I'll just see if we can bring him back into form with a game at home to a, a poor team. But it's a dangerous mm. game to play, isn't it? So, well. I've got to be honest. I'm. I, I wasn't that surprised. I mean, maybe it's just me, but and I. But I've said this in a couple of pods that that I. I felt that at some point Bravo is coming back in, because if you listen to the things that that Guardiola said about him, it, it it's not just lip service. You feel like he's obviously made a point of trying to sign him last summer. He's taken him for Barcelona, which in and of itself must have been a complicated thing for for Pep. He's brought him over. He's not had the best of starts. He's had to drop him. Um, but for me, it was always, always, always the case that at some point he's going to get another chance to be uh, to be our kind of first team keeper. And to be even more honest, I had a feeling he'd have done it. I had a feeling he was going to do it against Arsenal and bring him back and then leave him in there for Chelsea and kind of try and use those two games as the moment to resurrect his City career. Um, but I kind of half agree with you there because I wouldn't have been you know, as surprised if he was brought back for the Arsenal game. But when he wasn't, then you kind of do think, yeah. OK, it's settled in his head now that you know, Bravo is the number two till the season's end. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's obviously not. Um, he, he obviously felt that that he was. I I've always felt that he was going to bring him back in, and from the things he said, reading reading, trying to kind of read what Pep was saying, it felt like he was saying he's going to get another chance this season. Um, so no, it, it it really wasn't as big a surprise for me as it seems to have been for for you two. Um, the the other, I guess, they're both connected. Uh, selection thing is Delph keeps his place, Torre comes back in, and De Bruyne drops out. Firstly, let's talk about Delph uh, and that selection. How are you yeah. pleased for him? I am, yeah. And I've actually, well, the 37th attempts, I've predicted a pep <laughs> uh, <laughs> lineup that he dropped De Bruyne, so uh, just high-five myself here. So, <laughs> so, not really a surprise at home to hold if he's... We don't know about... I mean, De Bruyne's not been terrible, but he obviously hit his form as... He got just something else. You can't tell, but... Uh, kind of the right decision, I think, to, to leave him out for a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll play next week instead. Yeah, I'm pleased with Delph. He's, he's doing OK. You don't expect him to run games, or that's not what he's there for. But he protects, he runs, he shoots from outside the area a rare commodity in itself and yeah it's good to see him in the team and no surprise again that Yaya came back because against a team that's going to defend a lot and put men behind the ball he's got the skill to unlock uh, that defence and obviously didn't play previous games so yeah it's good to see him there and again Fernandinho was out and uh, another two players that have not been in best form so uh, I think it was the right decision to rest them to be honest so we yeah, hope they come back stronger I'd almost say they were dropped as opposed to rested. I think yeah. with the form yeah. that, that both De Bruyne and, and, and Fernandinho have been in, as harsh as it is, that feels more like a dropping than it does a um, a you guys need a rest type thing. Um, 
Steve, what about uh-huh. what about for you? Just the 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 kind of the resurrection of Delph. How how's that I'm, making you feel? I was delighted to see him start. I'm delighted to see him resurrected. I think he's copped some grossly unfair flack since he's joined City. Yeah, yeah. He's just been injured. He's made was it ten starts or eleven starts. Um, he hasn't been able to get going whatsoever. So when he has played as well, he's been kind of half fit uh, with unfamiliar teammates around him, and you know, just basically, you need to bed into any kind of team or any kind of system. He hasn't been afforded that kind of opportunity. Uh, I really like him. He's a nice lad as well. You can clearly see in the videos and you know behind the scenes and everything. He's, he's a decent lad, um, and so I'm just delighted for him. And, and I hope he stays. And I, I hope he flourishes. Um, he could be a really, you know, I don't mean to damn him with kind of faint praise here, but he could be a really useful asset as a squad member going forward. Um, so yeah, I was chuffed a bit to be honest. He played well, scored a great goal, um, and I wanted to see him, you know, feel like he's really part of things um, because yeah, he's he's copped some really unfair flack from from Blues as well as because. Let's not forget as well, it's not only Raheem who was branded a snake in the wider world of football, it was also Fabian as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we rushed to defend Raheem, but because Delph wasn't playing, so it didn't feel like he was one of us maybe, but he didn't really get the defence uh, warranted that Raheem got. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will change now. So okay. I was, I was just a bit. Half the problem with Delph was he, he said he was staying and then changed his mind a week later. That was his big mistake. Because he made a statement, didn't he? That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he, 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 he hurt yeah. Villa fans. So he made that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I can see why they'd be upset. But <laughs> uh, but it's a big question: How good is Real Madrid's, you know, fourth choice midfielder? We don't need him to be like Silva yeah, or De Bruyne. Or we need, you know, with every squad, every squad needs a player like him. In, you know, it's like I feel like you're both you both know, him with faint praise. I feel no, 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 I, I, no, no he's, I've, I've always rated him. I've always rated him anyway. Absolutely. But we're not. We're not I, I think some fans just want the best. You know, every single player in that squad must be like, uh, must do what De Bruyne does, or do what Silva does, or be you know, or maybe a top class well, youngster. Let me, let me have... And they don't have. To, that's not how squads work at all, anyway. No. And he's got assets that could really. Like the engine room that Barry used to be, he used to run our team. You barely know he was there a lot of the time because well, he look, wasn't. I, my my thing is that he was important. He was the cog that kept everything together. Yeah, no, the water I get, I, carrier, maybe. I, absolutely, and I get all that. And but what I'm what I'm saying is what, what I feel. Why I'm asking you whether you're damning both damning him with faint praise is that for me, for me, I'm uh, if I look at the, the the two performances that he's put in in the last week. I don't see how anybody could watch those performances and say that Fernandinho, what Fernandinho does is is much, much more or much, much greater than what Delph gave us. I mean, Fernandinho is a marginally better passer of the ball, yeah? Um, Yeah. He's probably, is he marginally quicker? I don't know. Um, He's got better technique than, than Delph. There's... There's, there's no doubt about that. But ultimately, in terms of the role that they're both asked to play, sort of playing as the kind of deepest midfield player, I I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm just uh, yeah, I guess that for me, because you both kind of talked about like him being like fourth choice centre mid, centre mid, I'm just sort of going, I don't know about that. I Firstly, I feel as though Delph is good enough to play regularly for a top six 
I side. agree, absolutely. So in terms of, if we're going to talk about Delph signing another two centre midfield players and then Delph being fourth choice next next season, I don't see the point in keeping him then because then it's just the same as it was this season. I'm curious as to whether his performances in the last week change the way you view him within the pecking order of our midfield. Well, can, can I just say that I, I know, you know, I was kind of down in faint praise, so I'm kind of contradicting myself here almost, but um, I've never viewed him as being down the pecking order, if you like, and I always kind of took umbrage really with um, how people perceived his, his transfer to us because I think... It coincided with a time when it was a lot of pragmatic signings and FFP was always a consideration. So it, people kind of thought, okay, he's English, he's relatively cheap, you know, it, it's a sensible signing. He was kind of damned with that through no fault of his own. Whereas when he, whereas when he signed for us, I thought, bloody great, we've got a, a cracking player here. I was excited by him, you know, irrespective of, of you know, his nationality or his fee. Um, just based on, on his ability. Because at, at Villa, he was awesome. For the last two seasons at Villa, second to last season, he got play of the year there. Uh, I don't think he would play of the year in the last season, but although he should have, because again, he was equally as influential. Uh, he was a captain. He was a brilliant player. So if he can return to those heights, then we've got you know a first teamer on our hands without question. And he was ridiculously cheap for starters. And yeah. And we can't, we can't avoid the fact he's English and it would it would take a major headache away uh, if he stayed because, you know, we do have quotas and whatnot and we need, it would help to keep him there. But it, we are, if one of the problems, not probably known so much, that just, we have not scored anywhere near enough goals from midfield this season, you know, for a team at the top. Yeah, and, fair point. And he's, from what little we've seen, he could give us goals from midfield and he'll do it from outside the area, which is, Unbelievably rare. I think only Yaya really is willing to. Well, I, I think. I'm not sure that I'll be. A, I'm not sure that I'll be volunteering Delft to be taking pot shots from 30, 35 yards. Though I've got to be honest with you. No, I, but I, he's prepared to shoot from twenty yards and sometimes just yeah, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah, you just yeah, want yeah. us to. You want us to shoot sometimes rather than just you Definitely. know do seven more perfect passes so that it's put into the net. Yeah, uh, oh, well, and well, yeah, I think he knows when to shoot as well. I mean, he almost had a second. Listen, it just let's let's come, let's come let's come back to to Delph's performance in particular yeah. um, later on. Um, final kind of selection thing: Navas at fullback again. Now, I, again, I want to speak very briefly on this one. Something that has really surprised me is that when Pep came in last summer, I think universally everybody that spoke about Navas tended to say Navas is going to get a chance at fullback because you know he kind of looks like a pep fullback in a weird sort of way and yet this week it kind of feels like people are so there's been a lot of kind of oh my god Navas at fullback again and it's and I'm a little bit I'm the opposite in the sense that what frustrates me is why Pep didn't try this in September or October and why it's taken until now for him to figure out that Zavaleta's legs have fallen off and that Sonny is pretty injury prone in the, in the age that, uh, at the age that he's at. Um, so for me, it's not a problem. I think that he, other than, other than kind of a couple of scary moments against Arsenal and, and um, sorry, against Chelsea and a couple of scary moments against, uh, um, uh, early on against Hull, I thought he did. You know, he, he did really, really well. I, I really didn't have a 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've not got a problem with Navas seeing out the season at fullback. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I feel as though a lot of people are, uh, seem quite upset about it. And I'm a bit like, but we all talked about this a year ago and felt like it was possible that that's where Navas would fit in under Pep. Uh, Howard, what, what, did you, what do you make of that selection? Do you think Zabaleta, for example, should have been given a chance? Oh, well, it's should he be given a chance? I don't. There's no right or wrong, wrong or right answer there, but I can't. I generally agree with you. He's done okay. He had, I mean, his first two games at right back, who was he up against? Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> he was up against Sanchez the first game once, and then Hazard. And, and then Hazard. So, you know, a nice gentle start for him. Uh, he's done just fine. Don't, let's not forget the game he also actually put two crosses right onto Aguero's head. So even his crossing seems to have uh, improved. <laughs> no, I, I don't have a problem either. I can't say does Zabaleta deserve a chance because I don't know how well Zabaleta's going to play because, you know, I still love him to bits, but we know he's not the, the player of three years ago. Uh, I wouldn't have minded seeing him at home to Hull, but I think, yes. My only problem, my only core question is, do you does a right-back have to be a, a natural defender? Uh, because it's not... But Navas has always tracked back and he's always helped out, so... It's not alien to him, is it? So mm. I think he is at least the joint best option for the rest of the season, yeah. And Steve, what about for you? Yeah, I was a big advocate for, for uh, Navas to be tried at right back. I thought he would be. Uh, agree with you entirely, but I was surprised that this hasn't been kind of uh, tried out earlier. It became quite apparent um, a couple of months into the season that Zaba was struggling. Uh, Sanya, it's what does he offer going forward? You know, I'm a big fan of him, and you know, I'm always whenever I see him in the, in the on the team sheet, I always kind of feel assured for that right side because you know he's a cracking defender, but he doesn't really offer much going forward, Sanya. Whereas with Navas, um, you know, he does. So yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't happened earlier. I think he's done really well, um, and. The big question for me is kind of looking ahead to next season. You'd expect City to sign a right back. Uh, would would you two be happy to retain Navas as kind of you know a backup right back? <laughs> oh God! Yeah, no. imagine imagine yeah, no. if he signed an extension to his contract. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> the uh, response to that. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if he's doing all right so far, and if we're talking highly of him and if and praising him, then, and we already have him as a player. If Mafeo wasn't homegrown and didn't wasn't very good and you know I, I think that in a different under different circumstances maybe I would say to you yeah okay let's give him a one-year extension and or two-year extension and keep him because he's a handy kind of almost utility player for that right hand mm. side because he can play right back or or right wing but I just feel as though with with the fact that we need to buy a first choice, really, and the fact that we have to make a call on Maffeo, I'd rather bring Maffeo back and have him. I'm, I agree. It, it's, I was just wondering what you two thought. And and I, I certainly would say that should it happen, very unlikely, but it will, uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Um, whereas, ah. you know, maybe early on the season, the thought of Navas staying would be the end of the world for me. I used to love Navas, so the only one defending him, but kind of resigned this season. It's just, you know... It's, there's nowhere for him to go now. But yeah, this does open. I agree with Ace. I'd rather we gave Mafeo a chance. Mm. You know, if there's no squad limits, then I'd be more than happy for him to stay. But I don't think it's worth I don't I'm convinced if you say what will happen, 
I'll say there's every chance it could happen because I'm not sure Maffei will be brought back, but we will see. Okay. Well, it's just, you know, he may do, I don't know, but it's just not. I'm, we were all surprised that he's gone out in the first place, so we just don't know, do we? So, mm. yeah. But yeah, I'd rather Maffei came back, to be honest. Um, so, Howard, what were your thoughts on the first half from what you can remember, mate? <laughs> well,. <laughs> Well, I don't remember. It's not that I don't remember much because I was drunk and sunburned. It's just it was one of those we dominated the ball, but again, not you know we had that very early chance, uh, and if Silvers was that's a good save, you know, Sane really should have scored the rebound, even though it was another good save from the keeper, and not a lot happened after that, and we relied on an own goal in the end. Hmm. So it was just one of those we've been here before, haven't we? We're you just think with this team and Hull were not as defensive as I thought they'd be. You know, they didn't just pack it and they were quite dangerous on the counter-attack as well. Uh, even after we scored, they should have equalised immediately. Absolutely. I don't know how we, don't know how we missed that from there. It was, uh, you know, one of the misses <laughs> almost as bad as De Bruyne's against Chelsea in a way. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought it was that sterile domination that we're... Uh, that people talk about it was but you have to look at it maybe you have to look at over 90 minutes we kind of come out slowly sometimes we don't blow teams away and I I do think you know that Silver Silver the manager has made them very well organised even if the away results don't match the home ones uh, we can't assume we can turn up and, uh, and win every game but it was a bit just a bit May that first half hour just not a lot happening really it just does probing and probing without really doing much. Really? See, for me, I, f- I, I, I saw it slightly differently in that I thought we were quite threatening in that first yeah. half. And, and, it, and it, it looked to me... I mean, we, we created chances. You can't you can't yeah. dispute the fact that we've created chances that we should well, may Maybe I've forgotten them. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember the early one, but I don't remember many yeah, guilt okay. edge ones. But, but even if we're talking about one, the, the early one, it's yeah. still a chance that should be yeah. scored. So Should, yeah. and we did score a goal, and in yeah. terms of even that first goal that we score, um, the the overlap from Navas is great. The ball from Silva so, to yeah. him is great. The cross is fantastic, and El Mohamedi is in a position where if he doesn't touch that ball, I think Sane is behind him and he's tapping it in. So he's almost got to do something, and yeah, I mean it, it is what it is. But I just I think that. Yeah, I, I, I thought we were... I was worried. I'll be honest that going into the game, I was concerned that I, I think that whole under Marco Silva have been great. And I'm, it's not just, you know, paying lip service based on results. I've watched them play and they, and they look a really good side. Um, so for me, it was really like, yeah, this is it. coming off the back of Chelsea. I was worried. Um, yeah. And I, I, after 20 minutes of that first half, I wasn't worried. I felt like, yeah, okay, we're, they're dangerous but we're more dangerous. Um, so, so yeah. Um, was there? A, so, I guess that there wasn't really a standout performer for you in that first half, was there, Howard? No, no one that's... No, not really. Okay. <laughs> I think all the players... We dominated, you know, we kept the ball, everyone did the job. Uh, no one was terrible, but no one was great. Steve. I think I'd, ra- I think I'd rather talk about... I'll discuss players more as man of the match than in that first half if that's alright absolutely fair enough I think there's a standout of the match as a whole yeah okay um, Steve I want mm-hmm. to ask you about not necessarily specifically about the whole game obviously you can talk about the whole game if you want but just widening it slightly this 
thing that Howard said about sterile possession. Um, what's your take on the way that we play right now? Does it feel sterile to you? Or do you think that this idea or this kind of narrative or the characterization of it as being sterile possession is just a byproduct of the fact that if you win playing the pep way, it's genius. And if you don't win mm -hmm. playing the pep way, then it's just ticky-tacker pointlessness. I, how do I kind of word this? Largely, I'm hugely in favour of our possession-based football and the style of football that we're putting forward and, and trying to kind of, you know, uh, craft. Um, I feel Pep is too devout with it. And I think that um, certain kind of tweaking could really enhance it. Um, so to give you two examples, and one of which we, we kind of nearly touched upon earlier. Um, so one's at the back, one's at the front for me. One at the back... It's it's the age-old one, this. It's, it's a real corny one for this season. It's been discussed to death. But when you're playing it out from the back at times and, you know, the kind of risks that are taken, I just don't see any benefit to that. I just do not see it. There's times to do that and there's times not to do that. And then footballers should be intelligent enough to know when one is one and one is the other. Um, so there's times basically where we'll knock it back to the keeper. We're getting pressed. It's dangerous. Clear your lines then. Just clear your lines. It's beneficial. It's, even if you're playing How percentages. Learn, though? How do they learn to play under pressure if the manager says to them, whenever you're under pressure, hoof it? But it's not a case of when under under pressure. It's it's a case of it. It should be. The trust should be given to the footballer, and to determine which is which in that situation. So it doesn't well, have to necessarily get rid because he's always going to go. If I mess this up, I'm costing the team a goal, and I'm going to. Yeah, that's, that's a, a fair point. So that's nine a fair point. But depending on your personality, yeah, I mean, on your personality. I mean, Stones is going to do a Cruyff turn. The more he's <laughs> under, so that's why you know we like his cojones. But most of them. They're, they're going to hoof it, and and so I, I slightly disagree with that because I I don't I don't I agree Pep is completely indoctrinated into his point into his way of playing, but I happen to think that the only way that it, it's almost as it's almost like until they learn how to do it no other way than Pep's way. They're not allowed to do it another way. And well, if that's the case, though, I mean, that is just subjective, isn't it? That's, that's just your take on it. There's been no... Because I've heard this mentioned before. I've heard kind of Damo mention this. I've heard a few people put this forward. If that is the case, then I'll hold my hands up and say, yes, okay, you know, for this season, that's great. For the next six months after this season, that's fine. Um, but it's just your interpretation of it. There's no truth behind that, that whatsoever. It There's could no well be... Behind what? that it's basically a case of these players are being told to do this 100% until it's kind of ingrained in them. And then after that, there'll be perhaps, you know, the insinuation is basically after that, there'll be some kind of common sense brought into it and, you know, kind of a bit of leeway. So it should, they need to clear no, their not, lines. It's they not, do. They, if they need to clear their lines, they clear their lines now, right? Uh, no. Not always, not, not always. always but, but they they do. Guardiola said earlier in the season that he, his defenders also need to learn when they should play and when they shouldn't play. So it's obvious that it's not that they're told, 
every single time you get that ball, you've got to play a short pass no matter what. I, 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 I disagree with that. I, I, I know the quote, and, you know, but I, I from what my own eyes have, have seen, I, I just don't see that. I, I see times where Willie, um, almost with reluctance, tries to do a little dink over there, kind of, you know, the opposing winger to, um, you know, Zabo or whoever it is, and he doesn't even want to do it. it. It's, you know, and in that situation, who's to say that it, the far better, more sensible option is to kick it long and look for kind of, you know, Sané or kind of, you know, put it behind their, their, their opposing fullbacks. But it's like, it, it is uh, like a duty bound to do this. And it puts us under pressure and it's stupid. It's stupid, by the way, you know, when it's done to such a whole extent is what I'm saying. Um, I'm largely in favour of, of the approach. I just think there has to be some common sense brought into it. And this is just talking about that at the back. I mean, moving forward, was something what Howard uh, alluded to earlier with, with Delph, um, it makes it makes far more sense to break up the patterns of play sometimes and just take a punt from 25 yards. Because what that does is, even if it goes, you know, into Rosette, it doesn't really matter because it just puts doubt into the defenders' minds that the next time we're in that situation, they may be, we may be taking another shot. Because what we're doing right now is we've become a little bit predictable in, in our passing and in the kind of flow of our passing. And you can see, clearly see opposing defenders being able to anticipate and so they'll make a move before the ball's left, you know, the midfielder's foot. They'll move wide because they know it's going wide. Okay. It's, it's, fine, it's ABC, fine, you know. Fine, fine, fine. I'm good. Fine. I, 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 I take your point. I don't necessarily mm. agree with it, but I take it. <laughs> Howard, so then you've just listened to me and Steve have that argument. Based, yeah. Upon yeah. That, based upon that argument, is our second goal not exactly why we do what we do because yes. we're in search of what that second goal was. 20 passes, all 11 players touch the ball. The ball is moved from back to front, from the keeper, through the back four, through the midfield, into the forward line where you see a piece of decisive action in the forward line and bang, it's a goal. Sorry, just before Howard answers, can I very, very quickly interject on that note because... It's not, it's not, as you say, that's not what you see as regards to all the possession and all the kind of slow build-up. What, what you saw, it involved every player. It was beautiful, absolute, it was executed perfect, you know, perfection, but it was done quickly and it was done directly. But it was done... But, but okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To be fair, right, you seem to, my understanding of what you were saying, Steve, was that you seem mm. to be implying that when we're under pressure, so when they're being pressed, they seem reluctant to play out from the back and they should use common sense and hoof it. Now, in my opinion, within that move of 20 passes, in the first five between in the first between five and ten passes, there's probably two or three occasions where the player who's got the ball is being pressed and could quite easily make an argument for sending it long. Yeah, no, I, I would say there was, from what I saw, there was at most tw two occasions, certainly one occasion, where and um, Bravo should have, you know, it made more sense to kind of kick it long, if you like. If like, he chose not to, that's fine. And that it came off is great. How many times is that going to come off in comparison to how many times will maybe it fall to opposing winger and suddenly we're under instant pre pressure with Howard. players out of position? Let's ask Howard. Howard, <laughs> please chime in here. <laughs> 
no pressure on me, eh? No. Uh, I'm more with you, Asen. So I see what Stephen's saying. There is occasion. I mean, we're sat up high. Well, I am sat up very high in the third tier, and just sometimes. Yeah, I don't want to indoctrinate. Sometimes it, the ball needs to be cleared, and I think Company did it quite a bit when he came in recently. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, when they're sitting on the ground, the absolute panic around me when we're passing it around is, I mean, palpably just feel it in the air. Just people cannot cope with this at all. Uh, I'm not that nervous about it. I cannot think of many... It might look nerve-wracking, and I do agree with Stephen that the reason occasion when you're really under pressure, you have to get rid of the ball, even if it's out of play or up to the halfway line. But I think generally it aids our attack time after time after time, uh, and it, because it free, it uses the goalkeeper as an outfield player and it draws their players. And I can't think of many goals that we've conceded. We've been doing this for 90 minutes a game for about 40 games now. Has it really cost us? Because I know it's launched a thousand attacks uh, because, you know, it's it's freed players, it's freed space. And if we hadn't gone back to ball, that second goal might not have happened just by playing it around, if we just started by playing it around midfield. But you draw players away and that's what he wants. And I, I'm okay with it. I just, yeah, just don't, feel that the the manager's watching you and he's going to drop you if you hit it long once. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know what Steve I know what you say Steve and sometimes you've got to make decisions but it's very good at it on the whole and it does you know what if it did cost us three goals but we scored five from it then surely it's better. We always used to hit it to the halfway line and we always used to Joe Hart used to hit it to the halfway line and we'd <laughs> lose possession because we've we've not got the car crew up front have we? So We've got Sergio Aguero there. Sane is now more physical than you know our attacking players of recent years, uh, unless you count Boney standing still somewhere <laughs> <laughs> for a few games. But what's the point? But what is the point of hitting it to the halfway line? It just that invites pressure. It might be further out. Yeah. But it, I can see, I can see why people were you know, it it is it can be petrifying to watch, but I don't think it's cost us much, really, and it. You've just got to look at the wider picture that is, maybe it, set, it that sets root, up. Is, yeah, isn't that and we want to dominate the ball as well? The less they get the ball, then the less damage they exactly. can do. Exactly, and isn't that actually the root of the root of what you're saying, or the importance in what you're saying, is that for all the kind of nervousness that it seems to generate amongst some of our supporters, it hasn't actually cost us. Like I'm not like it's not like there's been like six different games this season where we've lost the game because we've conceded a goal from trying to play out from the back. So, Not from the keeper, no. I mean, Stone, uh, was it Southampton home? I think Stone's passed to Stones, an, yeah. em- an empty space where company, but that wasn't really, that didn't involve the keeper or passing no, right near our line. That was an individual error. Yeah. It was just a, that was just a system error, So, yeah. uh, which we argued for a long time about whose fault it was. But yeah, I don't, can't, I can't remember it. You know, I can't remember it costing many goals, but I remember at least a hundred times just breaking it, reaching a wide player on the halfway line, and us breaking with it. So, listen, I'm going to ask a random question to the pair of you because I've just thought about it. Um, in in Guardiola's first season in in Bayern, there was relatively similar rumblings amongst the Bayern supporters. Yeah, there was this kind of idea of like, you know. Do we just keep the ball for the sake of it? And 
is he too indoctrinated in his own way and is he arrogant and all of that sort of stuff. I always felt because of the situation he was coming into at City that that would never, ever, ever be the case. I just felt as though Pep was always going to be like basically put on a pedestal by our supporters from top to bottom no matter what happened because it's just like really we're coming from a base of Hughes, Mancini and Pellegrini and with respect to all three of those managers then they don't operate in the same stratosphere that Guardiola's operated in so I've always felt as though that they'd, they'd, we'd just universally get behind him so I think or I'm asking the question is it possible that had he kept Joe Hart that the basically selling Joe Hart is the root of why there is maybe this kind of reluctance to embrace Pep and his football at the Etihad and that if he just kept Joe and still tried to do the same thing we'd have embraced it a lot more Howard? Uh, yeah I think it's a fair but would we have embraced it totally? No uh, I don't think he's been lauded top to bottom by City fans uh, and you'd have to ask them why but the fact of the matter is we're 14 points off Chelsea so I guess I'd say that's why no but I'm talking I'm, about I'm no, but, yeah, yeah, but we're talking about why people aren't willing to wait for him to implement a system and you know we've spent a huge amount of money that's part of the reason so we expect success right now but yes I, it's a good point I think yeah I think some are now branding him arrogant because he kicked Joe Hart out without giving him a chance is how they see it not stating that as a fact I think he was given... I mean, I can only go off what I heard in pre-season. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, and no one does. But I heard that he didn't react the right way, is what I've heard, to Pep's instructions. And maybe if he had, he could have stayed. Uh, but I agree with Ace, and I think it's a good point. I think him getting rid of Joe Hart lost him a lot of... Uh, patience a and lot, goodwill? Patience, yeah. And yeah, that, that sums it up. Yeah, I think he's... It lost him. I mean, fair enough. I don't think he cares <laughs> because most most managers wouldn't have got rid of Hart even if they identified him as a problem. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was a very brave thing to do. Okay, listen. Uh, but, lot- for a lot, but for a lot of other fans, no. Yeah, I absolutely agree that that was it. He was already marked down before we'd even started the season. Okay. Um, listen, that was a tangent. Going back to the uh, to the whole game, I want to talk specifically about Dell's performance now. Um, Steve. The question I want to ask you is, do you think that he showed, in the, particularly in the performance against Hull, um, do you think that he showed that he brings as much to the team as Fernandinho in that deep-lying midfielder's role? Mm, absolutely. It's. I used to be Fernandinho's biggest fan. I adored the fella. And what, one thing I really loved about him is... He had a superb ability to take the kind of niggles and the kind of, you know, fouls and all the rest of it right up to the point of a yellow card, then back away and then do it all over again until the ref had no choice but to give a yellow card. And then he'd carry on right up to the point of a red card, but then not, you know, receive a red card. Uh, and, uh, you know, considering the duties that, that was expected of him in, in his role, that's a huge benefit to have that ability. He does not have that ability anymore. I mean, he's rash now, Fernandinho. He's mm. he's just kind of a, a touch out of control for me. Um, he's unreliable. And so if, it, if there's a dip in form as well, suddenly 
as strong a word as this is, is a liability. Um, so, yeah, as, as we discussed earlier, to have Delphi there as another option, uh, that's a wonderful asset for us. Of course, to do that, he has to prove that he is of the ilk of Fernandinho. I believe he is. I think the performance he gave at the weekend was he just slotted in. He just looked. You would never have, if you watched that game, as kind of, you know, uh, you hadn't seen City for a few years or whatever, you wouldn't have guessed he was returning from kind of, you know, an 18 month layoff, what basically amounts to an 18 month layoff. Um, so, yeah, really impressed with him and really encouraged by him. Okay. Um, Howard, what about for you? Um, it's kind of similar question. Do you think? Do you think he's got a future? Do you think that he can? If you look at if you and okay, we, it's a very small pool with Delft. That's the problem that we're kind of. I'm I'm saying I'm premising my argument on the idea that the performance that he gave against Hull and the performance that he gave against, gave against Chelsea, he can consistently play at that level. If he can consistently play at that level. Can he play in Duck Guardiola's city side? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would hazard a guess that he kind of was out you know, in the wilderness and ready to sell him off. Mm. And I would, I, would, I would hope that Guardiola is now having second thoughts and thinking, yeah. well, just maybe. Uh, yes, he can. I won't, I won't ramble on. I really want him to stay. Uh, we've still got rebuilding to do again in the summer, so we have to... We have to probably buy a whole of the right side, we have to buy the left side. We might, even if Delft stays, we need another central midfielder probably, because maybe Fernando goes, or maybe someone else goes, and and so on. There's still lots to do, maybe we need a striker. We don't really need to be rebuilding, and you know, Fernandinho is now a worry, where I just thought that wasn't an issue anymore. Like yet again, we've got plenty to deal with, and we've got a great midfielder there. He was a good player. He was a really good player before he mm. came to us. Mm. And it's hard to it's hard to tell when you're playing in a, a, a relatively poor side. But he's been highly rated for a long, long time. We've been linked with him a couple of years, a few years previously. I think we've always been linked with him as a youngster. Yeah. So the talent's always been there. Uh, yeah. There's no, you know, we don't have to. What does it mean to be in a Pep side? Yeah, he can do it. He's got the energy. He's got the ability. There's no reason why not. In there, and I, I imagine he's quite flexible as well. I think it's you know, a, even he could pop up at left back. I don't know, but yeah, we said, uh, we, th- we thought that, but then it's never it's never yeah, been, yeah. been given. A not, go. not for now, no. Yeah, yeah I really want I want him to stay because what's the point of getting rid of him when we he hasn't even had a chance to be honest. Yeah, I think what the one thing that we should say in mitigation of Guardiola, we we forget that he was really riddled with with injuries, and he said himself yeah. that it wasn't until he went to see. Um, the, the magical Dr. Ramon Cugat uh, in Barcelona and he had that operation that it kind of basically cleared up an injury that he'd been carrying for the best part of a year. Um, so in, in, in terms of his fitness, it feels like it's only in the last two or three months that he's been consistently fit and you can maybe understand why particularly with his history with injuries and and similar to the company situation you can maybe understand why Guardiola's looking at that and going I can't bring you guys in to just have your breakdown again Um, and whether that was right or wrong we can argue the toss about it but at least he's brought him in now, and I completely agree with Howard. I really, really hope he stays. After, but I think that he's shown enough in the last two games that he deserves uh, a chance next season. And I just think it's one less position to buy for. We've got 
I was worried yeah. that with Fernando and Delph going, it's like we've got to rebuild that midfield as well as rebuilding the uh, the, the 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 defense, the back five, so to speak. So yeah, no, for me, he, it would be uh, wonderful if he stays. Now, just in terms of his his performance and his goal, I actually thought that. Um, I feel he gives us a little bit more in terms of drive um, from the base of midfield than uh, Fernandinho does. And, and the other thing that, that I feel is slightly different in his game is I think that Delph knows his limitations. And I think that by keeping it simple and keeping the ball moving, he's maybe going to endear himself to Guardiola a lot because ultimately... That's you know that it's it's kind of like that Sami and Asri thing where coaches love a player like Sami and, and supporters sometimes go, but he always passes it sideways and backwards. What's the point in him? Coaches like Guardiola they love that. So now I I I thought his performance was from, yeah we'll get there. But for me he was he was he was our man of the match and um, yeah no it was uh, it was a fantastic performance. Okay, uh, we've got to talk about Hull's goal. Uh, very simply, we have to. Yeah, very, very simply. Um, where do we fall on this? Is it is it Bravo's fault? Are we just kind of looking for pins to stick in the the Bravo doll now? What's the how how I, I've you know I don't know. I I feel it's harsh. Like I've seen loads of criticism of, and I'm like feel like that's really harsh. But I know that I'll get loads of stick for saying that because I know loads of people are just like you're mental. It was rubbish, rubbish goalkeeping. Uh, Howard, what was it for you? It's Groundhog Day. It's the same thing every time, basically. In in isolation, any keeper could let that goal in. But with Bravo, it's every time. And that's the problem there. It's like, oh, we've had one shot against him, it's gone in. Uh, and with most goals, there's a number of errors by other players, but obviously the keeper's the last line. So I think Navas showed a bit of naivety letting the player free, uh, you know, who, whoever it was who put the initial cross in. Uh, Stones blocks Bravo's shot and in Bravo's defence goal's right close to your body I know as a as a terrible five-a-side keeper they're the hardest ones to save sometimes because you just can't react but maybe could you, you know so there are mitigating factors in isolation that's not a terrible Bravo mistake but yet again it's just the same old story isn't it mm. one shot it's gone in is he cursed? I don't know. Maybe we'll just agree he's cursed, but it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't save anything, does it? Uh, it's yeah. It's not an appalling mistake, basically, but it still a could do better, and it's a recurrent theme. So it is what it is. It's just you just no confidence in him, have you? But yeah, it wasn't entirely his fault, basically. Uh, I don't think Stones was stood in quite the right position, so. I don't, yeah, it's just, you don't know, do you, with him? It's just one of those things. Uh, okay. I don't know. It's just... No, no, that's fine. Go, we go around in circles, I, I, no, though. I, I think I needed to ask I, that question. Anyway. I know, yeah, it's not Steve, a glaring error. And I've got, I've got a feeling that Steve's going to have a very different opinion on this, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this particular instance, then I agree with Howard, it wasn't an appalling error. It was just a could-do-better. Uh, and I also completely agree with Howard that, you know... A lot of Bravo's mistakes in isolation aren't horrendous. It's just that they happen so you know frequently. Um, 
I also agree that in general, a ball close to your body is is very difficult to save for a goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper till I was kind of early twenties. That was my position, so you know I know that as back too. But uh, you asked at the beginning, how do I fall on this? Why doesn't Bravo try falling on it just for once? You know, <laughs> why doesn't he just try and stick Whoa, out an geez. arm or a leg or it's show some full commitment yeah. to saving a shot instead of just dangling his arm like, oh. I, I won't finish that sentence. He's, he's, he does me head in and I want him gone and I don't rate him remotely and I defended him and defended him and that just kind of weakened with every pathetic, apathetic performance he gives and, yeah, he's useless. Get rid. But, but, well, it was a foot, that was a foot save. It's one that, I don't know, someone like De Gea would stick a foot out and deflect yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because it was close to his body, you don't try and jump on the ball. You try and... Uh, he, he, he just falls. Is. He just kind of crumbles. Falls, he yeah. just crumbles like once the ball has got past him, and you know, not on Saturday. I just mean in general. He doesn't dive. He doesn't show any kind of strength or commitment or kind of you know belief. It's it's bizarre. I mean, it truly is bizarre. I've seen him a couple, you know, a few times uh, before joining City. Nothing stood out to me as regards to him being particularly good or bad. He was just a, a perfectly competent keeper for me. Um, Where's that gone? I'd, I'd snap your hand off for that right now. Let's be honest, his footwork was, again, brilliant. But as oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know. No doubt yeah, no, we've, we've done it. We've yeah. said it before. But let me, that just let, isn't enough. Steve, Steve, just to, to very, very briefly, if you can, do you want to try <laughs> and posit a guess as to what's happened in terms of... I think that we can all agree. I think we're adult enough to, that we can get past the emotion and we all agree if he's captain Chile to the, to the Copa America... Um, and he's basically been Barcelona's goalkeeper in a treble winning season Um, that he's not a bad goalkeeper that he's not that basically the idea that he can't stop a shot is just nonsense right so then absolutely the question for me for me to you is just more what do you think's gone on here is this confidence is this mental is that all it is it must be because a goalkeeper is a goalkeeper, so it makes no difference kind of, you know, changing leagues and changing kind of countries, um, or at least very little difference in comparison to an outfield player. Um, because, you know, your six-yard box is your domain, and it really makes no difference, apart from maybe if it's particularly muddy back in the 70s, you know, in England compared to Spain. But on a, you know, a perfect turf uh, uh, worldwide, doesn't matter where you play, doesn't matter what country. So the fact that he seems to have just kind of become this completely different goalkeeper since you know moving to England. It can't be an adaptation, mm. you know, on the pitch. It has to be off the pitch. It just has to be for it to make remote sense to me. So, and that obviously would be entirely speculation. I, I don't know him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what is anything about his private life. Maybe he just hasn't settled in England. Maybe he wasn't happy. Um, maybe just, you know, I will say that, you know, because I, I did defend him at first because I very much got the feeling that people couldn't wait for him to be a clown, you know. I'm talking about non-City fans here and the kind of media. People couldn't wait to jump on him. Um, so maybe that just affected him greatly. But it didn't seem to in his performances. He was so laissez-faire and so kind of, you know, still fantastic with his footwork and taking chances. So... I don't know. It's just really, really odd. Mm. See, well, I, I just... sort of 
on, I saw quotes a couple of weeks ago saying, and I didn't open the article because I wasn't mentally strong enough to, because <laughs> it said that he's settled and wants to stay. So I thought, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Going to break down. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I just saw the, the general quotes that, that he's settled, wants to stay and fine. It's like, so, which goes against the, it's just, yeah, because you know, players can change countries and just not settle in it. That's that, isn't it? They move on, but I hope it's not true. But because I just can't see him pulling this around. So no, same here. That's the most worrying aspect of it. Mm. Okay, um, man of the match. Finally, Howard. Uh, I agree. Delph was great, but I think overall Sterling because he had a bigger influence on the key moments. So I was still frustrated me a bit at times as well, but thought considering he's gone a bit off the boil recently i thought uh he did stand out for me over the match so excellent um steve um i'll go for delve because basically what we've previously discussed um it was just really nice to see him uh putting a great show in so although yes sterling was also excellent but um yeah delve for me okay excellent uh okay oh, what about you Delph. uh delve Delph for me. I, I, the, I, I was kind of, for me, if I hadn't have given it to Delph, I'd have given it to Stones because I thought he was just, uh, in fact, yeah, I'm just going to, a little 30 seconds to say that Stones is really, really, really developing into mm. the player that we thought we'd signed. And it just goes to show if you show a little bit of patience um, and you trust Guardiola that he'll improve players. And, and for me, something that I thought watching his performance against Hull was, I keep reading that he needs a leader next to him. I'm not convinced by that. I think that he is developing into absolutely the leader of that back line. And by the start of next season, I expect he probably will be. Um, so, yeah, no, I think he's been uh, he's been excellent. Okay, uh, Howard, few few things, yep. few little housekeeping things that I want to throw your way. Uh, firstly... Stadium was empty well before the final whistle on Saturday, mate. How do you feel yep. about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that great. sounded like an accusation, Howard. What did you do? <laughs> Probably to lose half my Twitter followers in 30 minutes. <laughs> Just tell me how you uh, feel about it, Howard. It's it's like the, the Bravo saves things in isolation. Basically, you cannot have a go at one person for leaving the stadium early because mm. that's their right to do so doing it collectively and it looks absolutely terrible so i'm not going to have a go at people for doing it that's their it's their right you know if you go and pay for something and leave but and it's not attack it does look bloody terrible to be on and this was early this time so it, it's part you know i did an article on like modern football and it's just the apathy about it for a lot of fans i'm sure it's not just at city uh and they just we go three nil up and they go right i'm off to the pub and they just they don't you know people just don't care it's not people who have to get away if you could but get it, everybody it is an element it, it is an element by the way they're getting away because city just terrible at getting people out of the area and i've done it for a league cup midweek match if i'm getting the tram back to sale i know if i go on 85 or even 87 minutes i take a good 50 minutes off my journey home because there's no trams there and you stand there for 50 minutes and if that 50 minutes wasn't there, you know, I tend to stay to the end because I'm walking into town anyway. But it just, it is a bit embarrassing. This is not an attack on fans. 
you know, desperately trying to keep a Twitter followers here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> build them up over a long time, and I respect them all. Uh, it just, you know, went 85 minutes, and it was really, I mean, we're talking half empty uh, by 85 minutes, and it just doesn't look good, does it? And I don't have any answers, just, but the club could help by, I don't know. Making just, it easy I, I just, for people to get away. Yeah, but why are people leave? They're just it's just an apathy about football. It's just like it's reading at uh, reading. It's all at home. Uh we're three up. Well the job's done. I'm out of here. And that's just the attitude many have now. It's just the match day experience does not excite them. So you know, I think a lot of them are, are watching out of a duty to do so because they always have done. Because it gets them out of the house. Yeah, mate, I'm uh, going to cut you off there because you really are going to lose all your Twitter followers. If you <laughs> no, uh, I, no, I don't think I'd lose followers for saying there's a real apathy and people aren't even enjoying themselves. No, I think, I think doing, you're right. Doing out of duty and once we're 3-0 up. Uh, but people will leave. Now, I've seen games in a knife edge and people are leaving. Yeah. So just some just don't even care and that's just the bottom line, to be honest. Okay. Um, as always, we're going to wrap up with a little bit of... Uh, Ask 9320. So, the first question comes from the Lord of Noobs. Um, it is for you, Stephen. And the question is, what do you guys think is the situation... What do you think is the situation uh, going on around uh, Tossin? That's Adarabayo. Uh, do you think he'll sign an extension or is he moving on? Steve? Um, I heard today but it's unlikely he'll stay. Okay. I've, I've literally got no kind of... Um, Nothing to add apart from my own opinion of I'd like him to stay. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard contrary to that. So I don't know. It's kind of still up in the air and, and we'll have to kind of wait and see on that one. Mm, I just think that he needs to play football. I think that there will... Yeah, he is at that age. Yeah, so. we'll see We'll see this a lot with the, the, the because of the quality of players that we develop in the, in the, in the academy now. I think what will happen more and more is that we'll, we'll produce players who are of a level that at 18, 19, 20 years old, they'll be good enough to play for maybe other Premier League sides. And at that point, the question is, what's best for their development? Is it best for them to stay at City knowing that uh, Tossin isn't going to play uh, for Guardiola? I don't think... I, I, yeah, I, I don't see that as being an option right now. Maybe he might develop in the next two or three years into a centre-back who can play for Pep, but right now it doesn't look like... He is that player. So then what you, what's the point in keeping him? So I would, you know, I mean, it's a shame that he's leaving on a free transfer because I think that that limits the amount of, well, we basically we can't do anything about it. If, if we were selling him, we'd at least maybe be able to include a buyback clause or protect ourselves if he does become world-class somehow. But as it yeah. is, it looks like he's going to leave on a free, although I do think we'll be due some compensation. Um, okay. Uh, Howard? Get Hughes to it at Get Hughes to it asks if Sanchez does sign, is that curtains for Con? Um, obviously, that is with regards to the stories that broke in Chile last night that Sanchez is close to moving to uh, is most likely to move to Manchester City this summer because of his relationship with Guardiola. Firstly, actually, what do you think about that? The idea of, of Sanchez coming in, how do you feel about that? Uh, to be honest, yeah, that would be, be absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not convinced it will happen. Is it just before I answer it? Does he have 
how many years has he got left on his contract? He's only got know? a year left. Right, well, so why would we pay £50 million first? Is it because, well, Arsenal can demand what they want? But generally, when there's you know, a year left, you get a reduced fee, I've don't you? I had this argument today with somebody on Blue Moon where they were saying that that price is outrageous for a player with a year left on his deal. <clears throat> I actually don't think it is. And the reason that I don't think it is is because if you look at the inflation in the market in general, and then you look at the fact that five years ago, Van Persie with a year left on his deal went for more or less £25 million um, to United. Then if you look at, it's an almost identical situation. Um, Sanchez is at an identical age. I would say that inflation over the last five years within the transfer market has kind of reached the, that sort of level where when players that you were paying 25, 30 million pounds for five years ago, you've got to pay 50, 60 million pounds for now. So for me, it's... And also it's, it's kind of irrelevant, you know, for the buyer, I mean. Yeah. However long they've got. We'll always try and get a better... I mean, I think Gundogan was... Partly cheap because of his injury record, but he had a year left, didn't he? I think it was slightly factored into the fee. But at the end of the day, you say if, if we want him and we think he's worth fifty million at least, then you do it. So, but if you can get it for cheaper, then fair enough. But generally, it does knock. He's supposed to knock fees off players because obviously there's been talk that he'd just play out his contract and go to Chelsea. Was one one rumor last week. Uh, so they don't. They want to get. You know, it does help the buyer because they've got because the, the selling club are worried that if they don't sell him, they could lose him for nothing. So I don't know. But yeah, for your part, then absolutely, I'd want him okay. at the club. Uh, he's a he's superb player, and I kind of liked his knock. He's been in a bit of a strop at Arsenal recently, but that that's probably because he's a winner. And I think he doesn't strike me as the obvious leader in a team. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about having leaders in a team. Obviously, he's a very good footballer. He'd fit in quite easily, wouldn't he, in our front line? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'd have any problems. He'd just like straight in. Uh, we'll play good football and be an extra asset to our front line. Uh, and I think he's got that. I think he would. Drag, it's a sort of. It's just that mentality, a winning mentality. I think he dragged the team through difficult periods in matches, and I like that about him. Apart from the footballing side, that's where it's the end of Kun. Well, no, I don't. I'm not sure the two are related, to be honest. Uh, we all, I think people are obsessed about first 11s, but it just doesn't work that way over a season. Mm. Uh, and he's, is he an out-and-out striker? I'm not sure. I think he could be work across the front line, really. Uh, Can you and, see a situation? And why not have two? Yeah. Why not have two? Even oh. if he. If we agree that he's extremely similar to Aguero, why not have two players like that? Uh, why not have a top-class front line? Because someone will be injured, someone will be rested, someone will be suspended sometimes. Uh, that's just the way it is. You can't just have one. You know, we want. We always talk to our owners or managers have talked about having two players in every position. So, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use this as. Thought that Aguero's going because many would argue that we need another striker anyway. So, okay. too reliant on him for goals. And, Steve, this one's for you. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, Aguero's goal uh, against Hull, that I, I've seen a lot of people say 
he didn't celebrate. And Guardiola was asked in the press conference, does it bother you that Aguero didn't celebrate? Now, firstly, do you think that he didn't celebrate? It was muted. Okay. Um, I, nothing stood out to me. Do you think that... I've been asked on Twitter, Bolt from the Blue is asking, and a few people have asked it to be fair, why do you think Aguero didn't celebrate? Should we read something into it? Do we need to read something into it, or is it just like... Yeah, not for me, because there's absolutely no way of knowing what the situation is. I mean, it could just as easily be, um, you know, it could be disgruntlement, or it could be that the type of goal that it was, you know, it was such a team effort and it was such a, okay, you know, two players nearly stopped it on the line, but it was such a, a an easy kind of execution for him. Um, and so just by definition of that as well, you, you rarely see a striker essentially have an open goal, mm. knock it in and then go flying over to the you know corner flag and, and, you know, do a knee slide um, because it's just not that type of goal, is it? He, he was stationary when he hit it, so he, he didn't have any momentum as well. Um, if he was on the run, hit it, and then he stopped running and just stood there, kind of, you know, sulkily kind of thing, then it would be transparent that something was amiss. But the fact that he was stationary, just hit it into the goal, and then surrounded by teammates, nothing stood out to me at the time. I can honestly say that. And um, no since, to be honest. I, I, I'm not reading much into it at all. Okay, awesome. Um, right. That's pretty much it. I just want to say, um, I got a couple of transfer-related questions uh, from Shaman Fons. I hope that I pronounced that correctly. Um, mate, the questions you've asked, we're going to cover in the second part of the transfer pod that we do this weekend. So rather than covering it here, you can look out for that pod. Uh, and to Carlos Zaldivar, who asked about City fans leaving early, we've covered that, mate. Um, so... Thank you, Howard. Welcome. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Steve. Pleasure, mate. Thank you to everybody who listened. As always, if you like what we do, go to go to iTunes, hit subscribe, send us a tweet. We will be back uh, on Friday with a pod, a preview in the weekend's game. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>